0: First reading this morning is in John's Gospel chapter 17 and we're beginning at verse 6 John's Gospel chapter 17 verse 6 Jesus prays for his disciples I have revealed to you, sorry, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you, for I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now. I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctified myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I in you I have made you known to them, and I will continue to make you known in order that the love that you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. And our second reading is also from John's Gospel in chapter 13. we are reading verses 34 and 35. It's on page 1082. My children, I will be with you only a little while longer. Sorry, I began to do it early. <laughs> You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, good morning. It's great to see you uh, this morning. Thank you for reading that, Rosemary. Quite a long reading in John 17. I just, I'd thought start by asking a very simple question. Who in the room this morning has got the love sorted? Show of hands, who's got this, this, this love thing sorted? There's a lot of wisdom in this room, a lot of experience in this room. Okay, I'm not overwhelmed by a show of hands, uh, so um, we're in a good area maybe to, to speak this morning. Well, um, I'm going to speak about love, it's one of the biggest themes in the Bible, but one week in we're delighted still to be here, just to let you know, and uh, we're really grateful for the welcome we've had, the warmth of the welcome, and with both working with you but also being here together for Joe, uh, Joshua, Hannah, and myself. I had a card... I do apologize. Is that me doing something with the microphone? I'm a little bit of a dab hand with microphones, so I apologize. I'll try and keep it stiller. um I had a card from Bishop Peter uh, and his wife Jane uh, this week to say a thank you uh, to you for the welcome that you extended to them uh, and to us on our uh, licensing evening. And they asked to send on your prayers and blessings, but also thanks the hospitality and welcome uh, on Thursday night. So I'm passing that on to you too. It's great when other people recognize in us as a church or as a community something of the hospitality, the grace, and the love that is shared among us when other people recognize it in us. It's a great thing. A while ago, Um, some children were asked the question, what does love mean? What does that topic mean? What does love mean? And here are some of the answers some children gave about what love means. When my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love, said Rebecca, aged eight. When someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You just know that your name is safe in their mouth. Billy, aged four, said that. Love is when you go out to eat and give somebody your chips without making them give you any of yours, (laughs) said Chris. Love is what makes you smile when you're tired, said Terry, age four. Love is when mum makes coffee for my dad and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure the taste is okay. Love is like a little old woman, a little old man who are still friends, even though they know each other so well, said Tom, age six. Out of the mouth of children, I'll tell you, I don't need to preach, I don't think, this morning, but during my piano recital, said one boy, I was on stage and I was scared. I looked at all the people watching me, saw my dad, waving and smiling. He was the only one doing that. I wasn't scared anymore. Love is when mum gives dad the best piece of chicken, said Elaine, age five. Love is when your puppy licks your face even after you've left him alone all day, said Ann. This is an American one, that one. When, you're, when you love somebody, your eyelashes, Go up and down, and little stars come out of you. <laughs> said Karen, age seven. And here's a child who's incredibly wise I said this: "If you want to learn to love better, you'd start with a friend, who you hate." We're looking briefly at this chapter from John 17. It's a great prayer of Jesus at the end of his earthly life. And as he prays to his father, it's become uh, an inspiration to the church over the centuries. About what we're called to look like as God's people, about his heart for us as his people. It's full of amazing themes. Thank you, Rosemary, for reading it so beautifully, that particular part of it. But you'll see it's so rich in themes that are so central to us. About truth, about unity, about love, about prayer, about intimacy about unity, about holiness. There's a huge amount in here. And I'm just picking three as a way of starting off and introducing uh, um, myself, but also talking about what's important to us. Last week, as, we, as Nicholas said at the beginning, we looked about glory, that each of us are called to live for God's glory. Put him at the very center of our lives, our relationship, our work, all that we do, and on all of our lives. To seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And today we're looking at being God-shaped. One of the greatest um, thinkers of all time and one of the greatest theologians of all time is someone called Karl Barth. I don't know whether you've heard of him, but he's um, very famous and very revered in theological circles. He's written books that are hugely thick, amazingly dense. Their kind of books would cover the side of a a church where he's been mulling over thinking about who it is God is and what he's like. He spent his life doing that and right at the end of his life he was talking to some students in a seminary he was part of and he was um, asked by these students, you know, after all this learning and this study for all your life, Dr. Bart, what is it You can pass on to us what pearl of gems could you pass on to us to enable us to live better and he turned around and said he said this jesus loves you this i know for the bible tells you so jesus loves you this i know for the bible tells you so this is one of the greatest thinkers of all time, quotes a children's song, do you know this morning that Jesus loves you? Do you know this morning that Jesus loves you? Because the story of Scripture, the story of the Bible is a love story. It's a story of love between God and his creation, God and his people. And it's the greatest love story that's ever been told. It has twists and turns. And if you look through this, at times it can be difficult to see that, to see what's going on. But it is a story of love. At the heart of our message as Christians, at the heart of the good news we have, we proclaim, and we live and declare is one of love god is love god is love that's his nature that's his character that's his will that's his purpose that's who he is god is love and throughout john 17 we get to see this relationship of love between god the son and god the father also we've got the holy spirit in the background we get to see A glimpse, an insight of God the Son, Jesus, praying to his heavenly Father in a loving, mutual relationship of love that's existed for eternity, as it says, before the creation of the world. Look in 23, 24, and 26 in John 17 if you've got a Bible in front of you. Jesus, God's only beloved Son, revealed God's love for us in this world. God so loved the world, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. If you want to know what love looks like and the idea of God who's up there somewhere is too abstract view, we have Jesus. Jesus who gives us shows us, lived on this earth for us, the God of love, the image of his heavenly Father. Given that love is such a common word in our culture today, I imagined if I went round and said, what image comes into your mind when we talk about love? I imagine if I went round and asked you all to say, what is the primary image in your mind when I mention love? I'd get sort of very many different answers. But it's a word we like to bandy about very regularly. About what is true love? What does true love look like? But when we look through scripture, through God's story, through the Bible, what we see is a different type of love, often to the love we think love is. God's love is a creative love. God's love is an eternal love. God's love is a saving love. God's love is a compassionate love. God's love is a redeeming love. God's love is a recreating love. God's love is a forgiving love. God's love is a fatherly love. God's love is a cross shaped love. God's love is a self giving love. God's love is a servant love. To pick a few. For those of us uh, who regularly go, and I, obviously as a pastor, I get asked to go to quite a number of weddings. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, one of the great passages of Scripture, is often what people choose at their weddings. About God is love. Love is patient. Love is kind. There's some great lists in the Bible about what love looks like, both in there and in Romans. God's love is kind. Love is not self-seeking. God, love forgives. Love perseveres. Love hopes. Love never fails. If you want to know what love really looks like, you need to look at perfect love. You need to look at God. And this morning, you may need to think about that, that God loves you. And that nothing you can do or that you can't do could make God love you more or make God love you Less. You need to understand how God loves you with an eternal love, with an unchanging love, with an everlasting love. One of the pastors, uh, the people at the last church I was involved with, they uh, hadn't really particularly come across him, um, but has written prodigiously um, in America. There's an American pastor called Timothy Keller, and he puts it like this He's, He says, God sees us as we are. God loves us as we are and accepts us as we are. But by his grace, he doesn't leave us as we are. This morning, do you know that you are loved with an everlasting love by an eternal Father? Do you know that? One or two of you could answer. Do you know that? Do you know that God loves you? And for many of us um, may have kind of wrestled with who God is, what God is like, and we used to think, well, yes, Tim, part of my hesitancy, I'm a bit English, I'm a bit reserved, I don't kind of go for the big, yes, God loves me, but I know it here, but do I know it here? I know conceptually that God loves me. But do I know it here, at the center of my being, in my heart? Someone once described, many of us in the West, one of the biggest distances we need to travel is from the head to the heart. God loves you. God loves you. And what Jesus is praying here in John 17 is that God's love would dwell within us as well. It's an amazing passage. If you see, particularly the latter part of John 17, that we see a love that isn't abstract. We see a love that isn't um, not relational. We see God the Son praying to his Father that the love they know would be known by all future people, and that includes you and me this morning, that we'd know God's love deep within our being, And so verse 23, And have loved them even as you have loved me. And in verse 26, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Praise Jesus. That the same love between God the Father and God the Son will be the love that you know today of God for you. God wants to come And to dwell and make His home within our lives by His Spirit, and it's the most amazing gift to us—the gift of Jesus that comes to us. And for many of us, that kind of that love-shaped void that we have in our lives, we fill with all sorts of things: our own human love, which is great, and lots of other things we love. But we were still created to be loved by a loving Heavenly Father that fills our life. So, how can we do that? How can we receive that just by praying simply if you're not in that place this morning I've known that come before him ask him to reveal his love to you to fill your life with his love to turn away from those things you're filling your life with that aren't of him and turn away from that and turn towards God one of the great verses uh, that Paul writes in Romans 5.5, it's a great prayer that God's love would be shed abroad in our hearts by his Holy Spirit. He wants us to take us from that intellectual understanding to that experience of the love of God that shapes our whole life. I wonder if you, one of my great heroes um, of time, I do confess it's not a very Anglican uh, thing, but it does have an Anglican Is John John Wesley? You know, he spent—he knew about God's love, but he spent—I think it was 18 months—seeking God, wanting that heart experience of God's love. He knew, as he read Scripture, he knew from other other people's experience that something that was there. He sought after God. It often took time, but one night, as he described, his heart was strangely warmed. As God met with him. But as well as God loving us, as well as God wanting to dwell and coming to dwell within us, we're all called, so-called, to love others. For the love of God to flow through us. I don't know whether many of you are um, regular travellers by plane. Uh, Any people regularly plane travellers? Yeah, a few. Okay, well, uh, each time I've flown in a plane, pretty much a similar thing happens. You get on the plane, you get your seatbelt on. They start to go through the mandatory flight safety instructions, and you start to glaze over a little bit. And I think I've heard this before. They stand like here and say, the fire exits are here, here, and here. And you think, yep, that's good to know. I know where they are. Uh, um, but then they start to say something strange. They then say, in the event of an emergency, the oxygen mask will come down. And when the oxygen mask does come down, if that is the case, if we have an emergency landing, and you're with a child, put your oxygen mask on first, and then put it onto your child afterwards. Now, as a parent, I kind of intuitively, that feels wrong. As a parent, you sit and think, that can't be right. Surely, I need to look after my son or my daughter first. But actually, what they say is, no, you need to put on the oxygen mask yourself first. Because if you don't get oxygen, you won't be able to save the person next to you. You need to be in a position to have oxygen, so you're in a position to then help in the event of emergency. And that's why they say what it is. If you want to help others, you need to draw on the life-giving support, the life, the oxygen that enables you to help others. And one of the great things about Christianity is that God pours his love into our hearts without measure, continuing to do that. Not so that we can become indulgent, not that we become sort of full of ourselves, so that then can flow through us to others. It flows into us and from us to others. That's a great work of God in and through us. We're called to be people where the grace of God and the love of God flows in and through us to others. We see it continually in Jesus' life and his ministry. We see it here in John 17 in his prayer for others. That God's love would flow out to others. And we're called to the same. How did Jesus sum up the great commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And love your neighbours as yourself. When you look through church history, one of the things and some of the most compelling things many historians have written back to look at through the church and to see what it is that, see when the church has flourished and made a massive difference in society, what was it? that characterized those times? What was it about some of the great moves of God that enabled nations to be changed and, and um, communities to be changed and, and cities to be changed? When you look back at the early church, Peter Brown, a historian, um, has written about that. And many others have also done that. But they make an interesting observation regarding why Christianity spread in the early time of the Roman Empire when there was lots of persecution, when life was very hard. And Brian said this, he said, The appeal of Christianity lay in its radical sense of generosity, hospitality, and community. The church grew because the individual could drop from a dangerous, impersonal world into a community of radical and generous love and care. Reaching out to the deserted, feeding the poor, sharing your possessions, Caring for the most sick. Standing as a beacon of love and unity against the brutal world. Famously, it was the Carthaginians who, when they were looking at the Christian communities, that just simply said, see how they love one another. See how they love one another. From that reading in John 13 too. It's a love that's visible to the world, in word, in thought, in heart and in deed. It's a love that expresses itself outward in blessing others. It's a love that unites us, whatever our race, whatever our background, however good or bad our background has been, whatever education we've had, whatever postcode we've come from, whatever our schooling, whatever our work or not work, we don't just love people who are like us. We're united in Christ, in God's love for us. I know for you, if your summary lives, most of the time we spend our time drawing close to people who are like us. It's a very human instinct. But Christ comes to break through the barriers that sometimes we place that we don't just huddle with those we like, but we're called to reach out to all the world, as Jesus did in his life and his ministry. It means a love that's available for other people when they're in tough places, when they're broken. A love, a love that gives time and attention to people, sharing our lives and our resources with others but it's also a love that regenerates us. Christian love is not about trying to get it right, then constantly living in a sense of disappointment or having failed God, but it's coming to the God of grace, who in Jesus Christ through his death and resurrection brings us forgiveness and healing and regeneration when we do things wrong, when we get things wrong, and we can receive forgiveness And be restored and healed and reconciled both to God and to each other. That's the gospel. That is the gospel. And we can't do that without love. Without God's love first for us. So This morning I hope that one of your heart's desires, your longings, is that others would say of us as a community, see how they love one another see how they love one another the others would say of st swithens see how they love one another not just polite not just well meaning but see how they love one another in all the challenges of life all the brokenness of life all the difficulties of the culture and the time that we live in in this season in 21st century, the UK. Because we have a God whose love is wide. It's long, it's high, and it's deep, beyond our understanding. And we're called to reflect that love. So this morning, uh, as part of thinking about that and asking us all to respond to that, I'm going to say a prayer in a minute for us all. But I'd like you to take a moment to think about how you would like to respond to God's love for you. Not just personally, but also for us as a community, about God's love within us. And also our love to share with the world. And actually, I'd just like you to take a few minutes of quiet as part of prayerful response. By the side of the chairs, there's a few uh, roughly cut um, cards. Like, like this. And um, I'd like you to grab hold of one. Um, if you're at the end of the row if you pass it down the row. Um, if you need a pen or a pencil, I think James and Alison might bring one as well. I would like you to prayerfully think for just, for, just for a few minutes, is just to use this piece of paper to think through how prayerfully you're going to respond either to God's love for you. You could do all three. And just to write down, like in a conversation with God, where are you with God's love for you personally? And turn that into prayer. I think Les prayed in his prayers. What about love, secondly, within St. Swithin's? There may be people you think I'm specifically going to pray for. And put their name down in section two in this community. It may be someone who you find difficult or hard. I hope I'm not on too many of the lists already, if that's the case. But be honest, this is a prayer between you and God that I'm um, also to respond. And then lastly, one of our great challenges is that others outside this community, your friends, your neighbours, your family who don't yet know God's love, would come to know the God of love who reaches out to them. So if you could write their names in section three as part of the prayer, what I'd like you to do is to, to do that. Just take a few minutes. And then as, uh, when we get to, the river to sing again, I'd like you to then bring that forward in faith. And to let, I'll put a basket at the front. I'll put them all at in the basket. No one else will look at it. And I'll simply pray for it, pray God's blessing over our prayers. And then we'll worship together. So just take a few minutes to respond.